0: Uh,
1: hopefully uh, i'll keep Rift. this on so i'll notice if it decides to turn Ord. off
2: keep keep one eyeball on the on the waveform so you don't have to edit it later
1: mm-hmm. <coughs> two eyes as often as i can spare them
2: for having for keeping a close eye on frodo he spent a lot of time not looking at frodo he immediately leaves he goes to Gondar. To, right
1: Audibly, does the hand folded boy symbol?
2: That of boy is coming to Steam at some point. Right?
1: Oh yeah. yeah, yes it is, and that right soon. wow When's it releasing? I don't know. I heard it's rumors really? that Spider-Man, the video game, is also coming out. The most recent one. Huh. So or, or like, not the most recent one, but like, like the the PS4 one. Correct. Right? Yep. Okay.
3: And yeah, sort of a noise. Be nice.
1: Because God of War was a PS4 exclusive
2: too, initially. Right. Uh, Except Sony now forgets what exclusive means. Mm-hmm. Unless they're talking about a collection of two Castlevania games from the 90s that is the only reason Nathan wants to buy a PS4.
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, there's other things you can play on PS4. I
2: mean, there are. But, I mean, Symphony of the Night is like the, the top of my list. Mm-hmm. It's followed by Spider Man and Dad of Boy and. Uh, some Dark Souls. Bloodborne. bloodborne. Blood Yeah.
3: Which rumor has it may be coming to PC itself sometime in the near future? Mm.
2: Which again, Sony, what you doing? You want people to buy your PS5 or you Ba-dum. don't because they're not in stock at all? Of course, that might scalpers. Dinklebur wow. One part scalpers, one part uh, global chip shortage going that on. That sounds like a really crappy cocktail. Global chip shortage?
1: Like one, one part one part uh scallopers, one part global one chips. Part, one part one part scalpers. <laughs> Throw it in one a blender, shake it up, put some coconut shavings on there, and you got yourself a really crappy <laughs> cocktail. Give I call this vodka. the PS five. <laughs> uh, I uh, Yeah gosh, I don't think I've ever I've seen like a PS five at Best Buy the one time I went to Best Buy in the last six months and it was the display model so it probably wasn't even real because somebody would have tried to steal it uh, it's They're well spending. over a year since that and the Xbox whatever it is released One S-
3: Series X Series X yeah. It was, Xbox they one, should have gone with X the much one. more conventional like intuitive naming convention of having oh. the Xbox One be the 720 <clears> throat> and throat> the Series X being 1080 but or, they decided not to make sense.
1: I feel like they asked like a Japanese anime creator to come up with the title for the
2: Xbox. Maybe it's the same guy that decided to call the revision, what, the handheld revision, the, the new Nintendo 2DS XL the, which is one of the 3ds models.
1: And here we have the word salad console of the day.
2: <laughs> and knuckles featuring Dante from <laughs> Devil May Cry. <laughs> featuring
1: rap songs by DaBaby.
0: <laughs> Who the
1: I. I uh, that's that's something. That's a conversation of which I only get echoes of whenever I check Twitter. In between screaming at my computer very silently, so I won't disturb my coworker. Uh, it's funny because the way we're situated in the office, I can just sort of make out the corner of my eye when she's looking and when she's not. (laughs) So I'll just be like, you know, doing the classic face palm and face wipe audibly demonstrates. And, uh, the stress that is the James stress position. And, uh, he's assumed James stress position. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, um, and, uh, and then like, I'll, I'll see her start to turn and I'll just, oops, I'll sit up straight. She's <laughs> <Just> like, <laughs> and, uh, oh yes, just working through this design layout here. Uh, it recently, I haven't really had any like, huge you haven't issues. had to
3: do Microsoft publisher anytime recently.
1: Yes. Thank the good <laughs> Lord. <Oof. laughs> there was one oh God. There was, there was, I've mostly expunged our, um system of the horde program and the need for it but one project i think it was like a month ago came up that was like the only file existing was publisher Mm -hmm. so i just put it on one monitor and the other monitor i reverse engineered it in instagram which would or not instagram uh indesign that's the other i app i use indesign and it took like 15 minutes and it probably would have been hours of internal screaming if i were to do it mm-hmm. in publisher which is one of the worst programs to ever grace uh god's grace, grace. okay not grace uh, to ever <laughs> to,
2: to stain this to uh, ever stain the, the
1: sweet soil that god placed on this good green earth um i so
2: mean weird coming from from microsoft because word and excel are just fine Word time. is
1: great unless you try to do a text or, or to do a table or a text box then it is a living
2: hell. Sure. Uh, but that if you're is trying an, to do a table do it not in Excel what Microsoft Word paste. was designed
3: for. No,
1: they're just like what if we just took a stick a little miniature what if we Excel? slap more
3: features in there so people will be willing to buy it. Yes. For those instead slim of just using Google use Docs. cases.
1: Instead of just using Google Docs. Um
3: you gotta drink the microsoft kool-aid man yep it's all about the kool-aid
1: um yeah it's so we uh we recently as in the day of recording this yesterday um had our all souls day mass for like alumni and stuff of the high school guess when we're recording this yes Dun, dun 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 anyway um so the original program that I had flashbacks when, I, when the project came up again uh, was a Microsoft Word doc with tables to cover all the names. And when there is 300 names to be put in this document on eight and a half by 11 paper that has to be folded in half, I'm like, that's enough of this crap. This year, I'm doing it in InDesign, and it was way faster uh just because all you have to do to get a list or to get a text box to flow nicely into another text box is you click a couple buttons and it's magic.
2: Is InDesign magic. Adobe or is it It's Adobe. Okay. Yeah.
1: Is there is there print layout software? Sure. Um used for a lot of like magazines, Well, that's what I use it for and yeah, it's it's a good print layout. You could do basically a lot of the same things in uh like illustrator or photoshop but like InDesign is like specialized for that for layouts and print work specifically um so it's uh it's 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 a handy tool there's lots of little things in there that make life easier once you learn them so you you've printed
2: the the, the school i magazine, have not
3: printed right? ddd uh, that You have not printed King DDD I have not, Why haven't you yet printed King DDD <laughs> I haven't snuck him into a newsletter yet. I you should,
2: now you need to find a way to do that. But the, <laughs> I've already the, got the point por- is, I've my got, stuttering aside...
1: Yeah, I've, um, I... That...
2: You were in charge of the... the yes, like, yeah.
1: there it was the spring edition, and now I'm currently working on the fall edition again, which every time I do this project, it gets a little bit faster because I... Do things right,
2: right okay. off the bat. So, if you filled a page top to bottom with just circles, would that be several rounds in your magazine? <laughs> hmm? <laughs> that was a yes.
0: setup. <laughs> yes, yes, it was.
1: <laughs> uh, Lovely
2: magazine full of rounds. There you go.
1: Had to, had to sort of bring it, circle it around a little bit to land it, but you
3: landed it.
2: <laughs> yes, I did. <laughs>
3: He really hit the target with that one. <laughs> uh
2: I had I, I had that one locked and loaded. For,
1: for <laughs> <my> <laughs> <day>. <laughs> oh, I'd like to turn the page on this conversation. Speaking yeah. of turning pages. Uh I haven't read nearly as much as I should. I've been working on this same book for five years in that I pick it up for a couple times and I forget about it for six months. Um
2: what is it? Clifford Goes to School?
1: It's uh, The Robe, and oh, I do not robe. remember who
2: the author is. That's a I have pretty dense no
1: one. no memory of it's, it's not, like, super dense. It's just I have a hard time sticking with it. Ah.
3: Well, life is too short to read books you don't want to read. True, but Michelle,
1: my sister, told me to read it, and it's her copy, and I've had it for five years, so I should probably... Don't you
2: also have my sister-in-law's copy of that book? <sighs>
1: Correct. And, uh by extension your brother's book. Anyway, that tired old joke aside, I want to read it so I can give it back to her so she because disappointed sister noises are not something James wants to hear. So uh, which it doesn't take much. <laughs> not that she's super critical, but it's just that she loves to boss be around whenever she's around. It's fun. Uh in like in a very good natured way. Um so I I just really think you should do this, James. So we're doing moral high ground over something completely neutral, huh? Anyway, (laughs) sister relationship aside, how is life at seminary, Riley?
3: Oh, it's November. November is the bad time. Yes. It is the time of all the work all at once. So suffice it to say everyone, mostly everyone, that the seminary is presently on the struggle bus of getting everything done, that they haven't been working ahead on the entire rest of the semester. Like you do. Myself included.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Basically, like that at work, except for I'm not getting graded in on anything and I'm getting paid for it. But. And the procrastinating is all being done by the people who are submitting things to me. But other than that, being completely different, it's almost exactly the same. <laughs> uh, just, the future just of crunch. the
3: church does not depend upon your retention of the material.
1: Also, um, uh, new bishop vibes.
3: New was- bishop
1: vibes. I suppose I you and your brothers have to be quite pleased oh, with that. We talked we, about it in the chat, but we, I don't think it's come up yeah, on the I podcast Yeah, don't, I don't
3: yet. think we talked about it on the podcast. Crookston so you got a new bishop, yo. Yay! Who's already a bishop. Who's already a bishop, and he's in the Archdiocese of St. Paul Minneapolis, and he, from all of the reports I've received from my acquaintances down there, he's an amazing, fantastic guy, so I'm very much looking forward to meeting him i'll be That's coming true. back up to the minnesota lands on december 3rd to be there for the installation so
1: so i suppose the prediction of the former administrator was correct
3: that it would be new he would be christmas. out by christmas yeah um which kind of surprised too. all of us
1: yeah uh what, what was his installation mass like december 6th or something like that yes the sixth feast so, of saint nicholas
3: I get to miss 5 days of school. Well, I nice. get to be away from school for 5 days. I'm yeah. only missing 2 3 days of school. Yeah, but cuz it's over the weekend. But cool beans. But very be the cool indeed. beans. And then I go back to seminary for 3 days and then I come back to Minnesota again.
1: Lovely. So I imagine there's going to be I don't some even have any exams to be back for. Yeah, there will
3: be there will be airport picking up. Cool.
1: Um uh did you uh, by any, uh, any chance manage to catch any of the last podcasts after we uploaded it?
3: Yes, <laughs> Felix and I listened to it in the car on the way to ministry today. I, I enjoyed I enjoyed the bit. I thought it was quite funny. I
1: I tried to make sure the the um record scratch wasn't too ear ear rapey. It wasn't. Um, I think it I think it worked out okay. Cuz the initial sound file was just like like okay. Let's dial it back a that little bit. Down, buddy. And I hadn't, I didn't know what to do for like a, um, a, like a back a tr- out a bumper back in. So it's like I said back to I, you I guys. That, so that, I stuck like the news that thing. That in news in there. Rep- yeah, I thought it. I thought it was fitting. <laughs> I was like, I could have recorded a new bumper, but it was like really late because my sister and my mom called me in quick succession immediately when I started editing the podcast. So <laughs> it uh, it came certainly very not, nicely. Certainly not. Certainly
3: not planned or anything.
1: No. No. well no like not. the original like the 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 software just decided okay i'm done recording no now.
3: i mean your sister and your mom calling you in quick succession no, no that wasn't planned at all oh really okay no normally those things are kind of passive aggressive planning planned i mean
1: maybe on their part but yeah i don't know
2: they didn't like talk about related subjects at all did they
1: uh no comment Aside from just making no comment <laughs> yet. well my mom straight up yeah, was yeah. like yeah i just got done talking to michelle too i was like oh did you <laughs> oh did you i thought so this was I. a confidential conversation michelle <laughs> she's going tell oh. mom everything from, or, well from, she talked she talked to mom first.
2: from my experience you tell michelle you basically tell your mom <laughs> yeah yeah
1: without question um so yeah, how's um? I mean, I know how life is going for Nathan, but how's life going for Nathan?
2: Life is going for Nathan. Correct. It's school, chipping away at the grindstone, we're approaching the end and I'm scared. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, we are, uh, our first semester of design final finals, uh, we're about halfway, or most of the way through the semester, and we've gotten very little done, mm-hmm. because the parts haven't been coming in and... uh We've kind of it's, to... it's
3: hard to make chips do things when you don't have we chips. We don't have
2: the parts. Yeah, no. So we're gonna have to figure out our h like design chips. and how to make the motors go left and right and up and down and stuff, and then how to then we'll have to design the power block. And the... Coding. We've got we've got a computer engineer student on our team for that. Nice, <laughs> nice. Um, he's gonna be working with like a Raspberry Pi or something like that, so we can, of course, because our final project is we're gonna have. Uh, two motors drive the x and y axis of a laser and we're gonna have that laser uh animate little patterns like uh like a smiley face or just ece 37 oh
1: okay whatever. so it's almost like those um in a manner of speaking like those uh laser things like those christmas light displays that project on the wall kind yeah, of so yeah one of those
2: sure um so we're building that from scratch and we also had to because there's more people on the team than they're usually on a senior design team, mm-hmm. uh, the, the guy running the the program was like, okay, we need to add a complexity to this. How about you make three different lasers that have to have different colors and you have to press a button? To so just just them. do RGB? Pretty much. We've got three different lasers. lasers, to, And we got to figure out how those get put together and then how to run power to them and how to run a switch to them and then how to run that to the, the, the computer so we can... You know, just stuff. Hash, Problem and, solving. I don't know if this is like, am I legally allowed to talk about final projects? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> it's, it's the thing I'm doing. Not telling you the the, not uploading any blueprints or anything. So I guess it should be fine. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, but it's been pretty cool. Um, I'm I'm on the, uh, the the one of the guys on my. On my uh, senior design team is actually our grand knight at the Newman Center. Uh, oh, Columbus you're in the Council. same team with John. I'm in the team with John. Nice. Uh, so that's that's pretty cool. There's a guy I know on there. It's like, hey, hey. I think he mentioned that to me. Actually, I forgot about it. Um, but no, I'm. It's it's going, and I'm feeling sorely underqualified. But <laughs> sounds like being
1: a senior to me. Right.
3: Welcome to real life. <laughs> right. You will feel was... underqualified until, like, six months into your first job. Pretty much. That's just how it goes.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: But, yeah. C'est la vie. That, that, that's Nathan. I have. I went home last weekend, too, uh, to visit uh, family and stuff, just because I hadn't been in a while. Mm-hmm. And also, Dad was uh, remodeling a lot of the house. I've talked about this. Um. So, did, did we talk about this last week on the podcast uh, I helped him hang up or did i just t- talk to you about this i think ones? i
1: remember you and i visiting about this when we got home right which would have been be after we recorded last week
2: okay anyway so dad's trying to get the uh, the house re-insulated because it was all crappy fiberglass stuff mm-hmm. and it's just nasty or just like wool or whatever um but the, there's like a regulation thickness the foam has to be when they spray it in mm. and the um, roof like trusses the the beams go- holding the roof up are a certain length long that are shorter than the thickness the foam needs to be so I spent uh, most of last Saturday uh, tacking up uh, cutting to, to length and tacking up a bunch of boards to help you know bridge that gap so we can actually spray foam and then hang sheetrock on it.
1: And another scary incidence of our families doing the exact same thing to their houses for some reason. That's what Adam and my dad were doing last week too. <laughs> in well, the, in the garage. The garage right? Yeah, they're finishing the garage, yeah. Oh, sure.
3: Um, yeah. Are they even distinct families anymore?
1: Not really.
2: Well, it's, when, it's when, kind as far of as two blending. members are, con- are concerned, no. Yeah, mm-hmm. they're yeah <laughs> um well two members who became one flesh through marriage oh yes you know. um uh before i just come up with
1: some hackney transition um speaking
3: of becoming one flesh through marriage uh where the Palladium congratulations
1: vaguists? to uh listener faith on passing the last exam she needs for nursing school today that was the thing so, if I heard that correctly, I was mostly paying attention. She was talking to John, so it's not on me to get that right. But James,
2: I think Riley's tried to transition to the actual. Episode I have twice. twice. Now. Right, right, right. <laughs> but just throw that out there. We're going long in the banter
1: bit. Well, I started recording and left it recording for a while before Riley got ready. So we're regardless. Good. Uh, speaking Start of congratulations, this. we're finally starting the episode. We're the Palladium Papists. I'm James. I'm Nathan.
3: And I am Riley.
1: Uh, what edition of the pod is this today, Riley?
3: And we're doing some novel ideas today. Oh! About jo- oh. John- also, Jonathan- <laughs> speaking
1: of Page. Okay,
3: I uh, didn't ring a bell at all. Okay. Speaking of, we're novel. doing a novel ideas on Jonathan Strange and Mr. Norrell. Hmm.
0: Hmm.
3: hmm. hmm.
2: Oh, a novel idea. All right. Very good. Neither of us have read that, so... No, you no could, you, could, you haven't. Better carry us hard. It's,
3: yes, this will be uh, an interesting little episode. Oh boy. Uh, you know, th- this book is like a very unique kind of book. And it's by Suzanne Clark, who, one of her other books, Piranesi, has really been gaining some traction in the Catholic community for okay. just being a really good book, which I haven't read. I do own. I've the, heard that um,
1: name dropped now and
3: again. I have the, uh, what you call it, ebook, but I haven't gotten around to reading it yet. But I thought this, I read this book of hers before I had ever heard of Piranesi. So I said, hmm. I know that author. maybe this book is a little more interesting because I do have my criticisms of this book, but I think it it is worth talking about for some interesting and unique things it does. sure So the setting for this book is kind of a alternative history in Napoleonic England. Mm. so we're talking like of the 19th century.
1: Roughly the same time frame as uh, Tale of Two Cities. Well, no, actually
3: 50 years later. We start in 1806, so yeah. not exactly. Yeah. So we are, we're following the tales of one uh, Mr. Segundus who is, and a Mr. Honeyfoot, who are both magicians, quote unquote, Because they don't actually know how to do magic. In fact, nobody in England these days can do magic. It is a discipline that has been lost in terms of practical application. And now the only thing really left is theoretical magicians. So people get together and, you know, have their books and their discussions about magic and what it really ought to be. But it's kind of just hailing back to... a. bygone era of the kind of high middle ages when magic ruled England and, you know, the the king was, you know, the uh, notorious Raven King who kind of was one of the most prolific, in fact, the most prolific magician to have ever lived. And he was kind of immortal and all this magical stuff and he ruled over England and everything was magical and cool. Mm-hmm but in the present day 1806 that is no longer the case now we have um, enter mr Norrell, who is another magician but you know he's got this enormous collection of books and some of the other york society of magicians are interested in him because of that mm-hmm. he does not participate in their meetings he just kind of lives on his estate and does his own thing. But, you know, he's got one of the largest collections of magical books in the world. So people are interested in him because of that. Mm-hmm. And they, you know, they go to his house and they tour around his books and he doesn't let them touch any of them because his books are his favorite little thing. They're, and, they're t- <laughs> you know, like well, you should uh, come on down to the York Society of Magicians and join our uh, group and have discussions with us. He's like, nah, I've got no time for you posers. And they're like, what do you mean? He's like, well, you see, I'm a practical magician.
0: <gasps>
1: Not uh, a theoretical, but a practical one. Those right.
3: are out of these days. And I and he looks down upon all of the theoretical magicians as, you know, Pretenders. grandstanding posers that don't you know, actually he's,
1: he's a blue collar magician who just you know he gets down to business oh he's definitely not a blue collar magician one, oh, okay. at all
3: <laughs> i mean nobody of any importance in this book is blue collar fair enough we're, ta- we're talking about 1800s high society english high society he's a genteel man so he does some magical miracles to produce to prove that he is in fact in possession of magic. possession and the British government goes wild because we can use this guy to defeat Napoleon. Because, you know, they don't particularly care for that guy.
1: Because Napoleon doing Napoleon things. Yes, doing
3: Napoleon things. Little man, take uh, of Europe, uh. So he packs up and moves down to London from Yorkish area. And joins in the war effort and is generally having a grand old time doing stuff
1: stick it to the french a point
3: of importance is that along the way he um meets a nice young lady named lady pole whom he decides to marry hence the attempted transition earlier oh Uh there you go and it turns out that lady pole falls very very ill well she falls ill first and mr norell has come is uh, contacted to come in and do something magical about it because the doctors can't make anything work Mm -hmm. so she's she gets sick and dies and he says nobody has attempted to do the the bringing someone back from the dead thing for a while but i'm the best magician ever so i'm gonna do it Ah, uh-huh. so because he does. no way this could go, go wrong.
2: The dead is always a great way to start your story.
3: N- particularly in no. fiction. There's n- there's no way this could go wrong, and there's no way this will catalyze the events for the entire rest of the book.
1: Does his buddy <laughs> turn into a suit of armor or something?
3: No, <laughs> not quite. Not quite.
1: <laughs> but he's but, a magician helping with the war
3: effort. It is true. <laughs> but, so he pulls it off, but the price he has to pay... He surrenders a piece of Lady Pole. He has to cut off her finger and give it to this um, fairy that he uses some of the power of to complete the ritual. And so Lady Pole is miraculously revived and the whole world is abuzz with the fact that this has been done. Mm. But Lady Pole seems a little different. She's a little more more distant and cold physically cold Mm -hmm. and so you know something seems to be up but nobody exactly knows what i mean to be sure being married and being revived from the dead a couple days later is enough excitement excitement for any um upstanding brit for a lifetime Mm -hmm. right so they figure oh she's just recovering from this harrowing instant. Meanwhile, we have um, Mr. Strange, who is kind of this headstrong, budding young magic user. Well, he's interested in magic, but, you know, like many others, he doesn't have the, the practical use of it.
2: Does he but have to go train with the ancient he does, and fight Mamu and stuff? No, not that one. <laughs> different Strange? He, Got it.
3: He Different Strange. He does go train with the Mr. Norell. Uh-huh.
1: And Nothing wrong with his fingers, though. Nothing that's, wrong that's, with his? That's Paul, the Lady Paul.
3: He's not a... Yep, yeah, that's Lady Poles. And so he goes and, you know, gets in touch with Mr. Norell and kind of becomes quickly his equal in magic. You know, he's extremely talented, and has been at this for like a couple of years whereas Mr. Norrell's been at this for his entire life and you know Mr. Strange is strangely just as you know good at magic as he is after such a short period of time that's mm-hmm. prodigious
1: mad uh, lad, lad, uh, magic
3: lad, lad magic uh,
1: that did not come lad out. magic. It's just sort tripped magic. over and right
3: we've out. got some lad magic whipper-ish a bit shady, isn't it <laughs>
1: Sharing, it? I got my magic license right here.
2: Magical Mad
3: Labs. I got my license for Magic right here. <laughs> and so, um the there's there becomes a conflict between the two of them because you know, <laughs> Mr. Strange is kind of this prodigy and learning very quickly without much effort and Mr. Norrell is jealous. And so wow. he's he's kind of petty towards his pupil slash peer but nonetheless um strange is committed to maintaining that relationship you know he is like he purposefully humble about referring to mr norell before he does things because you know he's his master and he wants to avoid the conflict and just be agreeable grant so, him
1: the deference uh, as befits one's mentor
3: good on him and we also have one of the servants of the Pole family, uh, Mr. Wow. Stephen Black, who is an African slave that has been, you know, put into the service of their family. And he too has kind of come into contact with this fairy, this gentleman with the thistledown hair, as he is so often referred. Mm. And Lady Pole and he go off to these. Um, balls at night but these balls occur in a sort of supernatural place and it's very grim and lifeless and creepy and so as they walk out of the house and like they do some magical magical journeys and things and they arrive at these balls where they are forced to dance because they have kind of come under the compulsion of the gentleman with the thistle down here
1: Mm-hmm. something's up with this guy.
3: This guy is uh, slurping the life out of them slowly but surely. And they kind of become more distant and removed from the world as they so have how, more and more of their existence. There.
1: How, how did Mr. Black come to be in contact with this fairy?
3: Well, the fairy has taken a particular interest in him. And since he was summoned for the revival thing, he's just kind of about. Uh-huh. He's around, so he thinks. Appears like this guy. This man is especially well suited for things that I will introduce later. Sure. So, um, yes, they go to Portugal. Mister Strange does, and do war efforts there, and he kind of has a a harrowing experience in Portugal just kind of being more of a foot soldier and LS doing magic from oceans away. Sure. He's kind of on the ground and in the thick of it. So he's much more kind of grounded and in the world and willing to to really understand and sympathize with things rather than sit in the the magician's high tower like Mr. Norell is. And so eventually they kind of push Napoleon's forces out of there and resolve the conflict. And um, once they all, the third act kind of takes place between Venice and back in England. Mm -hmm. And they're trying to, um, essentially they're trying to figure out what's going on with the the two people, Lady Pole and um, Mr. Black, who are seeming to be withdrawn and kind of distant and departed from the world.
1: Something's up with these two.
3: They don't seem quite right. <coughs> uh, these folks, they uh shadows of their, their former selves. And so they have one of the earlier recurring characters Vinculus has this prophecy that he is in charge of delivering to uh, Jonathan Strange and Mr Norrell that is the nameless slave shall be a king in a strange country. Hmm. In the a nameless slave country. quite strange country. Hmm. The nameless slave seemingly referring to Mr Black. And so we learn that the gentleman's plan is to, in, you know, usurp the king of England and put Stephen Black in in his place. And of course, Stephen Black, being the humble, good servant that he is, and a generally good-hearted gentleman, wants nothing to do with that. He's like I'm just a simple servant, sir.
1: I'm not all about this coup stuff.
3: But I don't want to be king. I'd rather. I'd rather, I'd rather sing. just sing. Stop that! Stop that! It's not going to be any singing while I'm here. Yep. Well, that's the that's the plan here. And Mister uh, Mister Strange has come in contact with the gentleman's attempts to do that at various points. They were kind of hanging out at the king's castle, and you know he falls into this trance and they march into this snowy wood in the middle of times it's not supposed to be snowing and he's like hmm this smells like magic so he uses his magical prowess to break out Mm -hmm. of the illusion with Mr. Black but it's starting to become clear that you know the gentleman is making his move and so they have a not exactly a battle, I would say, but they kind of do magical things in a very British way. So it's kind of like, you know, a gentleman's kerfuffle of polite words exchanged. And All right, we'll call it a draw. All right, then. Uh, I suppose I'll have, magic you have to, I'll have to ask you to politely please leave my people alone. And I will leave how that happens to your reading pleasure. Care for a bit of snuff sir. Because there's not exactly it's not like a super exciting climactic ending but it's just kind of uniquely British is how I describe it. Sure. Sure. that That's kind of the flavor of the whole book. It's just so it revolves around that theming of in late 19th century Britain, but it's like applying it to a fantasy archetype, which, you know, hitherto was sort of absorbed by Tolkien. Like, mm-hmm. sure. You know, every. The entire fantasy archetype was kind of patterns itself off of Lord of the Rings.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: But this book, it has a lot of similar flavor elements like the world is being explored as it's being created in the tolkien kind of that's how he writes you know he's he's exploring the world with you as he's creating it as he's writing and a lot of that feeling comes out in this book as well you know it's like even though it's a very definite world in terms of The historical narrative There's a lot of She doesn't exist In the early 1800s Right There's a lot of Magical realm Also that's going on She being the author I mean Right Suzanne Collins Does not live in 18th century um, England Or Portugal Or Venice But You know Does a lot of Historical research into like the peninsular campaign and all that sort of thing. So it's fairly like geographically accurate when it's in the real world. Mm -hmm. But there is, of course, lots of magical things going on. Mm -hmm. So it has that in common with like other fantasy archetypes. But it also like has this nearly plotting pace is how I would describe it. It's very almost pedantic in the way that it, traverses its own story and does so in that polite british conversational way of high society england it takes its sweet time about getting where it's going and that's something that while i personally don't favor i can kind of appreciate
2: by the way it seems you're moving into cool stuff how yeah yeah we have moved into cool stuff uh, okay so it just kind of resolved with them having a fisticuff. A gentleman's with words was, chat. How, how exactly yes. did things uh, pan out with uh, Lady Pole and such? And-
3: There's yeah. a, a kind of. It almost ends in an aporia. Like, the book ends where the conflict isn't directly resolved in front of you. Sure. You don't exactly know how things turn out entirely, you do get to see some of it. Sure. Like, they found a new magical academy for people to come and learn, and so, like, the rise of practical magic is coming back in England, and, you know, the, the servants, it well, the gentleman is defeated, but we don't know if the people go back to normal. Or what sure, manner sure. of
1: being is he, is that ever addressed?
3: Well, it's some sort of never directly be. stated. But he's presumed to be a fairy.
0: Mm.
1: And I, does this book exist as like a one-off or is it a it's, series? Yeah, it's
3: very much a one-off.
2: Gotcha. Yeah. Anyway, I, in, I interrupted the cool stuff discussion to for that uh, check on the resolution. You can continue with the cool stuff if you would like.
3: Yeah, that's one of the, the interesting things is that it was you know such a lack of resolution. Sure. Which is something you very rarely see in that archetype of stories that you usually have you end with the bad guy defeated and the heroes walking off into the sunset
2: then Lord of the Rings ended seven times in the same book
3: (laughs) right so you have yeah you have that kind of aporia Where? where nothing is really really resolved which is interesting different and i respect even though it's not like my personal favorite thing
1: it's not the most satisfying well it's 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 inherently
3: meant to be unsatisfying yep or i mean what it's really meant to do is encourage you to kind of imagine it yourself sure how you would like it to how you think things should proceed from there
1: kind of an inception ending where does the top tip over i don't know
2: yeah kind of a leave you speculating and wanting more rather than over explaining things
1: which is an interesting way of generating engagement with a novel Mm
2: -hmm.
1: like especially
3: one that's not part of a series
1: yeah after after you set it down you're like okay so based off of this stuff that's indicated earlier in the book what conclusions might we draw about this somewhat ambiguous ending that's a that's a creative choice i respect as well Mm
0: mm-hmm
3: Yeah. You know, once again, the the pacing of it is not really for everybody. Like, sure. It very much takes its time about getting where it's going. And there are several points where you're just like, man, I'm really not being drawn through this book. And you're like, wait, I'm not supposed to be being drawn through this book. Mm. It's, it's, it kind of feels like it's meant to evoke uh, the feeling of you standing in a parlor with, you know, several pretentious people that some of whom you don't really like, but you have to politely sit there and listen to them ramble for 30 minutes about their problems because it's polite and you invited them to your house.
1: Sounds like a family reunion.
2: That's not my experience of family reunions, but I, I have I have a very weird situation when it comes to family reunions. Yeah. So I'm, and I'm glad of that. I'm I'm proud of that. Yes. <laughs> yes.
1: I mean I mean <clears throat>
2: my family's fun too but not not in the formal get together.
1: Yeah, it's not it's not really high society stuff as much as just like random tractor stuff. I have no clue
2: what they're talking about. Random tractor stuff I think is North Dakota high society. Yeah, pretty much.
1: Anyhow, mm-hmm.
3: anyhow, anyhow. So yeah, there's lots of kind of political societal maneuvering in the first two acts where mr norell is trying to get his foothold in london being a yorkshireman and not really having any connections there and you know there's it's just like filled with much society
2: then after he had to carve his nation to society all on his own he gets all indignant that mr strange is shooting past him in his own wheelhouse Mm and
3: right as Mr. Strange kind of does have some connections in London, even though sure. he's not a Londoner himself. But, he, you know, he's one of those kind of young and trendy guys who knows a bit and has not locked himself away in Hurtfew Abbey for his entire life. Sure. What
2: was the
1: name of the author you said?
3: Suzanne uh, Clark. Oh, because at one point you said Suzanne
1: Collins. I was like, wait a minute. That's I'm a
3: pretty, different name. That's a different person. Right. I mean, they the similar. The person that wrote the Hunger Games, like similar that, sounding names. There you go. No. Yeah. If... I I have been like concentrating so hard on not saying Suzanne <laughs> Collins, yeah, that I ended up they, saying Suzanne Collins.
1: The subconscious brain is a funny thing.
3: Mm-hmm. I do that whenever I talk to people about this book. I'm like, yeah, it's Suzanne, Suzanne Clark. Col- Clark, 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 Collins, <laughs> Clark. Yes. And uh, other, pe- like, the book has received a lot of, you know, high praise from people like Neil Gaiman, who wrote American Gods, and, you know, some other, like, high-profile authors, sure. because of the artistic choices in there, so, I mean...
2: Very, very um, oh, high-society art sort of thing.
3: Yeah, it's it's certainly not my vibe. I kind of loathe the pretentious British culture... And kind of sympathize more with the, the British poor, the weirdos of um, Monty Python more than I do the Downton Abbey's.
1: Yeah, or the or the Pride and Prejudice's or the, anything in that elk.
2: Yeah. Now, add it's, zombies it's, to Pride and Prejudice. And maybe we're going to It's, very, go this. it's <laughs> very much
3: not my vibe, but it also has, you know, it's interesting It has writing. its
2: merits and can be discussed. Yeah.
3: It's
1: very it's, it's you see, it's because it's high class that means you are smart for reading it.
3: Correct. Now, some of those like high society um Austin books are actually well worth reading. Correct. Oh,
1: yeah. yeah, they're considered literary classics for a reason. So doesn't
3: mean I have to like
1: them.
2: Beyond the general theming, is there like a uh commentary or something that it's making on the British high society of the late 1900s or no, early definitely. 1900s, late 19th. Mm,
3: I wouldn't say that it is trying to comment on it. It's beyond, simply the setting. Beyond yeah. Just having a setting that's unique. I mean, the the writing style is actually a pastiche of um, the, the diction and syntax of the time. Very neat. So.
2: I like it when people... Put a little research in, and it may seem w- weird and janky to read when you're reading older speech.
3: I wanted want to show you something. S H E W show.
2: But it also she. just makes it feel more authentic than using.
1: Uh, it makes the Red Badge of Courage almost impossible to read. Sure. <laughs> Lots of apostrophes.
3: Anyway, some of one of the things I would say that it does kind of comment on is the the cultural differences between Northern and Southern England. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, you represent those by the two main characters. Because you know? up
1: in York, you're lucky to even have a London.
3: Yeah. <laughs> 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 yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's kind of... We just lived in all the ground. Down. We used to have to live in Corridor. <laughs> or we used to dream of living in Corridor. No, but it, it kind of talks about the the northern vibe is being more reserved and kind of i don't know calculated isn't the right word but it's like Just
2: kind of, introspective or yeah, isolated like, almost and yeah, um, introspective
3: is maybe a is bit a good more
1: uh, what's the word i'm looking for uh uh not savvy but um shrewd perhaps yeah yeah
2: but then in london it's more uh, society
3: Society, society. society. Okay, society. It's, it's kind of Outgoing and you know, Venture we live capitalist in a society. And It's kind of They're all go-getters Laissez-faire
1: The mindset is the grindset You say <laughs> Oh
3: yes I clearly embody The sigma male grindset <laughs> <laughs>
1: Oh. Uh, Sigma, of course, being the Greek uh, letter denoting. <laughs> uh. <laughs> uh, if anyone in England is listening, and we know you are, they are. cheers.
2: Cheers, mate.
3: Cheers, mate. Um, let's see what else. It does kind of flip the script on one respect of that divide too, where it's like, you know. In our history, like, the Northern Englanders are kind of the industrial and, you know, cold-calculated logical ones. And the Southerners are more romanticized and kind of free-spirited. Whereas it kind of flips that in this and makes, at least in, you know, the high medieval period of this timeline in the book, is like the height of magic in sure. the entire history of the world. So, I mean, everything was everything was mystical and whimsical, and magic ruled the land, and everyone was in it in the north.
2: Mm-hmm. So they were the they were the center of the magical revolution before the rather industrial than revolution.
3: the industrial revolution.
2: Interesting. It's interesting when you add that little bit of fiction to history changes like perspective and context
1: a different sort of access to more power than ever before
2: Mm -hmm. interesting also did like anything about the raven king guy ever come back or is he just like he does show up
3: and do deus ex machina things in the end because Ah. you say he's immortal but he's gone but he's not dead yeah, he is. He's gone. He's just gone. He does. Yeah, I was like, kinda... is one of
2: our main characters secretly him or what? Well, no, that just...
3: that's part of the the mystery and intrigue throughout the book is you know that this sort of prophecy is about, and you're you're trying to puzzle out if it is one or two, one or the other of the people, either the main... guy
2: who's lived in his tower his whole life or the guy who's unusually good at magic or what,
3: right? you you start out thinking that Mr. Norrell is really like the Raven King brought back and then when Mr. Strange you start to like pick apart all of Mr. Norrell's flaws and idiosyncrasies mm-hmm. and you start to realize it's probably not him and then they bring in Mr. Strange and you like oh this guy's got to be it mm-hmm. and then they slowly start to show his flaws and no all of the reasons why he can't be it either so
2: sure because that, cause that I, that's actually what I was trying to puzzle through as you were dis- discussing. It's like, hmm, I wonder if this will come in later. So, yeah, mm-hmm. that's that's pretty fun.
1: Sometimes things are background details, yeah. and that's okay. Yeah. As satisfying as it is to have a narrative where every piece fits together in a nice puzzle at the end.
2: It's also nice to have lore and background details that aren't mm-hmm. like important, but they're just... This is the context the in which this exists
1: in? and that's the extent to which this detail is relevant. Mm-hmm. Not everything has to be a uh, Charles Dickens book where every single character comes together at the end f- for some reason.
3: But yeah, I uh, I respect that. And also one of the, the fun little things about this is the extensive use of footnotes. Oh boy. <laughs> they, oh. They'll like go and talk about a historical... Uh, magical text that someone makes a reference of and there'll be like a half page long footnote about oh my gosh. The, the, con- the context of that thing mm. and so it's like reading that's the another <laughs> like a, a precedent setting thing like there's another book series that i really like um i forget what the name of the series is but the the first book is the amulet of sam Arcand, and and It's like, I think it's Ptolemy's Gate or something is the name of the series, but that I've heard of Ptolemy's Gate. I that series also uses that footnote thing, it uses it to a more humorous effect, sure. Because it's it's from the point of view of the Ginny who is um, talking about it, and he's kind of a a sassy guy, so
2: kind of a little bit,
3: yeah, okay, just has to make asides
2: a little bit like a lemony snicket, a little bit in with. Whatever he although instead of
1: footnotes he just straight up puts like <laughs> pages worth of like of the, right. this is a letter I'm writing to somebody in secret in this book
2: it's so sad that nobody will have read this far so it certainly will get to you <laughs> anyway that's fun yeah, that's pretty, that's pretty it, cool it, it establishes
3: that kind of fantasy writing trope nice nice indeed uh,
1: anything else before Any we other, get into yeah. the analysis I don't think so.
2: You said there were uh, issues you had with it. Were those just primarily the stuffy British Britishness of it? And
1: stuffy yes. Britishness and pacing. Got it. It's is more of a taste thing than something objectively yeah. wrong with it, right? Okay. Right.
2: Because I was like, "Hmm, are we going to have to hash out some some theology missteps they make, or what?" No, it's yeah, just I just, just kind of
3: turned off my theologian brain when I was reading this because sure. it it was very much not trying to make any such point. And yeah i to tell that so you know if a book does try to make such a point my my theologian brain will be turned on, and I will, oh, yeah. I will I will make my criticisms of it for that, but as as far as I can tell, it's not trying to say anything of that nature, so sure
2: well as we move on to truth, what is it trying to say? We're doing transcendental yeah. right oh now. yeah yeah yes,
3: okay. I think ultimately what it's trying to say is be careful what you wish for in a 900-page roundabout way. Mm -hmm. Because everyone's desire, at least the the main two characters' desire, but most of the ancillary characters, is to restore magic in England. That's what we're all about. That's what we're after. And And the way
2: magic comes back... What Mr.
3: Norell does to accomplish that is some very, you know, inadvisable things like raising the dead. Mm Mm-hmm. And the consequences of doing that are, you know, what you put in the ground isn't the same as what I come back out of it.
2: And it kind don't of don't
1: know it, starch, Anyway,
2: it kind of evokes the vague vibes of those uh, old uh, European fairy tales, where it's like you, you do a deal with a, with a fairy to get some magic, but he'll be after gold, road or, or whatever you know. Oh, you haven't played it, that yet. Never mind. he will be
3: after your wife. Exactly. Sometimes,
1: is butter.
2: But it's like, it's because you've got this... Uh, yeah, it's very, very much who's... very much
3: in that European fairy tale style.
2: Right. Where it's magic in a, has a in price. A,
3: in a much longer form than right. fairy tales.
2: But much longer and more well thought out. In, in a sort of
3: uh,
1: archetype of a deal with the devil, but play out a little Too differently much. than the traditional... Uh, Way that goes. If
3: you make a deal with the devil, all your friends will have to go and do dancing at night and never sleep. And never dance with slowly, the devil in the pale moonlight? Sl- something like that. <laughs> <laughs> don't raise the dead. Don't try that. Don't do don't. that. No. Do, don't, do not. Do, do not. These That's things not. are not for man. It's not your job. It's not a
2: pretty picture. Don't like doing it.
1: How about you not?
3: Um, Don't just read books. Go try the thing.
2: (laughs) Sure. Yeah, because uh, you've got Mr. Strange who actually, after working with Mr. Norell theoretically and with his books and stuff and the magic in the background, he gets his boots in the ground and he gets his boots dirty and it's like, oh, this is what real life is like.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And he still shows uh, deference and respect for the man who trained him, even if that's not necessarily reciprocated.
3: Well, Mr. Norrell's kind of finicky and high strung. He does True. come around eventually and realize that he's being a doofus. But, normally, you know, for all, most of his life, he hasn't had to contend with anyone else, he hasn't been forced to. Have a peer-to-peer relationship with anyone before, so he's to think kind of learning of learning how to do that stuff. for the first time as an adult, which, which can is, be pretty messy. Which can be messy. This is why um, having childhood friends is a good thing. Mm-hmm. So you can learn how to be a human being. The
2: real social skills were the friends we made along
1: the way. <laughs> Sometimes you just need somebody to cut all the hair off of the top of your head so you can just make a ridiculously tall wig to
2: that's a different
1: oh right yeah um <laughs> that image is just stuck in my mind for some reason uh oh, any strange. other truths in uh... I,
3: uh I think that hits the truth points alright uh okay. how about goodness uh Arabella Strange she's very good oh yeah she's another one <laughs> of those people who gets taken by um the thistle down haired gentleman, Doctor Strange's wife, Mr. Uh, Strange's wife. But she's kind of like this... X-Y axis st- sort of a thing. St- steadfast, stand-by-your-side kind of lady. and Stand
2: by your man. <laughs> stand yeah. by me.
3: His, he's kind of this happy-go-lucky, kind of head-in-the-clouds. I'm a kind bunny. Dreamer kind of guy. Yep. and she kind of grounds him and keeps him on Earth, and takes his. his takes his side when he gets in kerfuffles with people and in the clouds that heads. one. And you no, know, Jonathan Strange reciprocates that when she's taken by never losing faith that he can get her back, mm-hmm. and he ultimately can't for reasons that I won't spoil. But oh. More to he, uh, find if you choose to read it, oh. but he wants to. He just has a vocation. Uh. Oh. it's not a vocation to anything supernatural, but it's oh. just—he has a vocation to be a magician.
2: Ah, uh, that's
3: take that is, as he has know. to. He has to do magician things. I'm or married or to my work, or else. Well, he, he's not married to his work. He just has to sacrifice things to maintain the order in the world.
0: Uh
1: huh. Kind of like Spider Man. Yes. We, <laughs> with great power.
3: Any other what? good uh, things? There's, there's not a lot of other like.
2: Standout examples.
3: Standout examples of good. I would sure. say Mr. Mr. Black is quite good. What he is. T- he's content to be a servant, even though he like recognizes that his race is generally looked down upon by people in England. And statistics. this this
1: being a couple decades where in our timeline the uh, slavery was abolished in England.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: But, but he was still very much a lower class of citizen.
3: Yep. Well, and yet he was, he was, like, the most well-trained in polite society that a servant could be. Mm-hmm. So he he knew and could execute properly, you know, all of the demands of the society, but he was still kind of rejected on the basis of his skin color. Mm-hmm. And he recognizes all of that, but doesn't have these grandiose ambitions. He just has a servant's heart. And so he, you know, in spite of all of his trials and challenges, and you know he's offered the 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 chance to be the king of England. If he had complied, it would have happened. If he had wanted it, it could have been his. but he was content to be who he wanted to be. Hmm. uh beauty. If it's your thing, the writing style is can be quite charming. Once again, it's one of those things that just kind of isn't my taste, but it has a an interesting, you know, it adds an objective flavor to the story that really sets it in the historical fiction kind of thing. Sure. And
2: if you vibe with it, you vibe with it. If you don't, That's if you
3: okay. don't. Um some of the the fantastic elements of this book are really well written and kind of give you that kind of charming ancient you're walking through a uh, a wood in the middle of England and there's fairy rings and you know bridges between worlds and you just kind of get transported into this um of a, its not—it's kind of a, a grimmer fairy tale, but that's that's kind of the aesthetic it it gives off. Sure. Kind of a grim it's fairy tale, fantasy a, vibe. A gothic fairy tale. So, yeah, the, the the it really evokes evokes that sense of otherworldliness and magical character. Sure.
2: Which is kind of what you want from a fantasy story. So,
3: yeah, it's pretty cool. It's not like, you know, gleaming armor knights with brave chivalry and no. all of that stuff and, Tell you know, her! and fireballs and lightning bolts and that kind of traditional it's magical not stuff. High fantasy. It's, it's not just, high fantasy. It's just fantasy.
2: It's just high society of fantasy. fantasy. <laughs> the, <laughs> definition, <laughs> of, uh, the
3: definition <laughs> of high fantasy is takes place on not Earth. Ah. So, so this is it a does not necessarily involve the the particular magic system. So
1: it's that a that it's a employs. sort of so it's sort of more towards a Harry Potterish sort of yeah, real it's, world. It's, but it's a
3: very Englishy magic, mm-hmm. as is the case with the rest of it.
1: But for once, it's not a uh, metaphor for school.
3: Right, that's Japan. We're not dealing with Japan here.
1: Yeah. Uh, anything else? Nope. We good? Uh, uh, Unity. Unity. Oh right, there, right. There's a whole other Englishness. English. British. <laughs> it's very yeah. British. It's
2: rather British,
3: British, isn't it? It is rather British. So yeah. bloody British. Is bringing magic back to England. That's kind of the key thing. That key theme that binds everything together. I suppose it's, it's still like bloody a...
1: freezing on my flat.
2: And I suppose as a story, it's like the the intention of the story is to kind of take historical England and bring back some of the mystery, some of the magicalness that you used to right. get with, like King Arthur, with the Lord of the Ringsy stuff. That it's mm-hmm.
1: like meanwhile grumbles in back. Ireland, <laughs> I'm bringing magic back. <laughs> so is there like a magic
3: Irish potato famine in this world? None of that is ever explicitly well. The Irish potato famine is after this. True, so true. We huh. haven't gotten there yet. I see.
2: Tune in for the sequel, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Doctor Strange and the Potato Famine. <laughs> uh.
3: Yeah, Anyhow, if if people want more potato famines, where can they go?
1: Uh, well, thanks for listening to the Palatine Papists. You can listen to us on Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, and Apple po- uh, Apple Podcasts. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Pal Papists. If you have any questions, comments, concerns, or complaints, or su- uh, requests for suggest uh, requests for directions to Ellis Island, or suggestions for future episodes, email us at palatinepapists at gmail.com
2: you must be a little bit out of it it's right there right?
1: a little bit out of it yes i was trying to shoehorn something and it didn't quite work uh i gave you like a call back to two
3: weeks three weeks ago yeah right
1: so we will uh we will catch you guys next week later bye see
0: ya.